Welcome to the audio conference for pastors, a leadership podcast designed to help develop leaders to their God-given capacity. Our host is Bobby Gilstrap, lead missionary and executive director for the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Now, let's join Bobby and his guest for today's audio conference for pastors. We are glad to have joining us today Pastor Ed Emerling from Westside Baptist Church in Flushing. We'll give a little better introduction to Pastor Ed in just a moment. Ed, we're glad to have you with us. Well, thank you so much, Brother Bobby. I'm glad to be here today. Look forward to our conversation. Well, today we're going to be focusing on serving across Michigan and the community ministry, community service, and talking about how the impact of days of service and seasons of service can help raise up leadership within our churches and uh, help us to connect with our communities uh, to be able to reach them for Christ. It's an exciting day to be able to dialogue about what's going on there at Westside. Let me first give you kind of an introduction of Pastor Ed, then I want to throw it over to Pastor Ed and let him uh, share with us some of the things that are happening there at Westside uh, as he has continued to lead them involved in community service, outreach projects, things of that sort. Uh, Pastor Ed and his wife, Tammy, have been married for almost 26 years, and they have three grown children. He's been the senior pastor there at Westside Baptist Church in Flushing uh, for a little over 11 years there in Flushing, Michigan. Uh, Interesting kind of side note, uh, Westside Church was begun by Ed's grandfather in 1955, and it's the church where uh, Ed grew up, attended uh, everything from nursery all the way up through adulthood. Uh, and then came back and has been pastor there now for some time. He was a journeyman die maker at General Motors for 11 years prior to becoming a pastor and worked as a volunteer in his church and uh, doing a variety of other things in ministry as well. Uh, He holds degrees from Andersonville Baptist Seminary and from Rockbridge Seminary as well. So, Pastor Ed, we are delighted to have you joining us today. Uh, Let's begin uh, by letting you kind of uh, give us a little bit of your story Uh, of some of the things that you guys are involved in in serving your community uh, through days of service and seasons of service. All right. Thank you, Brother Bobby. Um, Let me just first start by saying that this uh, idea of serving um, for days or seasons um, really didn't begin with me as pastor here, and that's one thing I I hope people understand, that this is something that that was done in our church, to be honest, for decades um, um, by men way before me. I remember as a young man, our church helping to fix up one of our Southern Baptist Mission churches. Um, they had bought a motel somewhere up north and were converting it into a church. And I remember as a 12 or 13 year old boy helping um, to put a new roof on that. I, you know, I remember our church helping with many, many VBSs for mission churches and doing block parties to help them out. And um, I, I was told by my father that our church built the first Bambi Lake shower house. Um, years ago, and so this began long before I came to Westside. I've tried to continue that that legacy of being a church that serves the community and serves the people around us, and um, we've done lots of different um, days of service over my time here at the church. Um, we've done some things as simple as working with our local food bank to give away a semi-truck load of food um, to bring that in um, either to our church, and sometimes we've done it at an alternative site um, closer to where needy families might live and just set up the truck there and unloaded it and gave away grocery bags of food um, to families, anyone who's willing to come and get that. I think that's a great, easy um, project that you can give. Most of our churches are not too far from some group of people that are hurting, and um, that was a great way for us to do um, some days of service. 
Um, we have uh, even done some days of service, like last year, we adopted a neighborhood in Flint. Um, on the south end of Flint, um, we canceled, basically canceled our Sunday service. We met at Sunday school time for a time of prayer and um, organization, and um, we had 120 or so people that day leave here um, at, the, at uh, 10 o'clock, 10.30, and we went to a neighborhood uh, where we had several projects there. We had three parks that we cleaned up and mowed and picked up. We had three abandoned homes that we mowed and picked up around to make them look nice so they weren't bringing so much blight to the neighborhood. Um, we worked with two or three families who could not afford um, things, and we painted their houses that day. We painted two complete houses that day. Um, we also worked with a local school in that neighborhood and cleaned up a schoolyard. Um, that was an incredible time um, for our church. We, it was a great, great day. And some people, I think, were a little bit hesitant for us to cancel service that day. Um, but we had a great time of musical worship and prayer worship before we went there. And uh, everybody was so invigorated by being there. The neighborhood was excited that we were there. And it was a huge opportunity for us to show the love of Christ in a tangible way. We also have a couple families who live near that neighborhood, one of them right in the heart of that neighborhood. And so they've been able to follow up with a lot of those people. And we're planning to do that particular one again um, this year. And we have a couple things that we've done that I would call seasons of service. And one of those was years ago in the 90s, our church went on one trip for one day to the migrant camp in southwest Michigan. And that turned into about six, diff six years of mission trips there. Um, to work with the migrants. And then the other, the greatest example I can see of a season of service for our church was started actually, Bobby, on your first day of work at the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Our church partnered with you guys. Uh, we worked at the food bank that day. And then if you remember, I believe it was January 3rd. It was in January, the first week of January, we had a cookout on the Flint River for the homeless people in Flint. Um, and it yeah, was, we did. It, it was very cold, wasn't it? It yes. was very cold that day. Uh, but we had a great turnout. And uh, well, out of that, two women from our church that came that day began to get a burden for the homeless in Flint and the hungry in Flint. And that next Saturday, they took ten lunches down on Saturday and just drove around Flint looking for people to give them to. And that turned into 20 lunches. And pretty soon they had uh, connected to the Holy Angels um, shelter in Flint where people were able to stay the night and they were able to get uh, lunches and, and dinners there quite often but we found out that on Sunday they weren't fed anything and so these two ladies were making 30 to 4 lunches every Saturday taking them down to that shelter dropping them off and they would hold them till Sunday so that the people there would have something to eat and by just a couple months into that um, they had uh, got our church all involved um, in actually providing hot meals um, on Sunday afternoons, and so we began after church sending a team of people there um, to provide hot meals for those people every week on Sunday afternoon. We've partnered with World Hunger through the Baptist State Convention of Michigan to help fund some of that. Our church funds um, about a third of that. Uh, the World Hunger funds about a third of that, and each team funds about a third of that. We now have over 60 people serving on five different teams that serve there on the first week, second week, all the way to the fifth week. Um, we feed about 100 meals per week, and we fed as high as 160 meals um, in a week. Every week there we have a chance to pray with those people. In many weeks I have a chance to, when I'm there, I have a chance to share the gospel with them. And so that, that one day of service with the Baptist State Convention of Michigan has turned into a season of service now for over three years for our church. And so it's an incredible opportunity for us. 
Yeah, it sounds like it has turned into be a, just a tremendous ministry. Let let me pick up on a couple of things that you said there Ed, and ask you to kind of unpack them a little bit. One one of the things you you use the word legacy, and I love that word. Uh, that much of this has begun and, and did begin long before you came there as pastor uh, more than 11 years ago. Uh, that, that means that that's kind of in the DNA of the church, and that's that's uh, what, you, you know, it's a long-term impact uh, when you're able to invest like that. Uh, what kind of benefits ha- have you seen for the church and community uh, by doing these days of service, and, and then ultimately some of them that have become seasons of service? Well, I think a couple things that I see from this couple benefits is is our people um, are are able to get involved in a physical way. So many people are afraid to get up and talk or get up and sing or teach a class, um, but you say, hey, can you come help rake? Um, could you help paint? Um, could you help prepare a hot meal for someone? It gives opportunities for people um, to get involved in real ministry um, in in ways that sometimes they don't think that their skills as a cook or something or even as a carpenter are, are able to be used greatly in the church. And it, so it's involved a lot of people. And we make a big effort to make sure that our, our days of service or seasons of service are, are using lots of people and not just a few people where we don't burn people out. Um, and then the other benefit um, that I've had for our church, like I say, the one neighborhood we went into last year, um, the family that lives there, um, have had multiple opportunities to share the gospel and just talk about um, why we did that. Why would your church come here? Because, to be honest, it's a long ways from our church. We have several Southern Baptist churches closer to that neighborhood, but God put that neighborhood on our heart, and they're, people there are wondering why, and it's given great opportunity to answer that question. And I've even ran into people who said, oh, you're that church that was over there at the park across the street from my house. And so it's a great opportunity um, to, to share the gospel also. So many many of the benefits uh, are are very visible. Then I would say then for for your people and their involvement and the, the ability to involve them in, in things in your church yeah. uh, as far as active ministry active ministry. Uh, let, let me ask you this: uh, your church has a lot of things going on, and there are a number of things you've just mentioned several that have been not only days of service but some things that have uh, uh, moved into longer periods of seasons of service. How important do you think it is that you be involved as a pastor, you know, pastoral leadership in some of those things? I think pastoral leadership is paramount in that. Um, I, I mean, I believe that outreach and sharing the gospel is one of the greatest things the church can be involved in. I think it's God's plan for our church to all be involved in that, and I think the pastor has to be involved in that. And I think when he is not um, then I think that it, it, it takes us a, a, a back seat to other things. Uh, now, let me say this. In, in this particular one that we talked about feeding every week on Sunday, I have not been the person that organized that. Um, I have not um, put forth that kind of leadership. I've been the greatest cheerleader for them, but I also serve on one of those five teams and feed regularly there. Um, you know, and so I, when I say pastoral involvement, I do think that it's important that I'm there, that I'm leading the cheers for the people who are leading out in that. Um, but that was lay leadership that, that really came to me and said, hey, I think we should do this. I'm like, great, lead out in it, and I'll cheer for you. And, and so it, it's really, I've been very involved, but as a participant and a cheerleader, not the person making the decisions. 
Okay, so so let, let me just hear you clearly, because sometimes uh, uh, this this is not you know maybe interpreted uh, by by some, but uh, you're saying that you you take a pretty strong lead as far as the outreach and the involvement uh, in that particular case, and probably some others. You're not able to stay. Uh, engaged as in the daily operations, somebody else is covering that, somebody else is helping coordinate. But as the pastoral leader uh, in the church, that you you take a very high level of involvement, a uh, high level of participation in the sense of uh, promoting it and supporting it and uh, being a part of that, and and still are actively involved at at a level, just not every week with that one particular ministry. Did did I put that in a nutshell pretty good? I, I, you do have it exactly right. I, I, I'm more than just a cheerleader. I'm involved in it personally, and I'm invested in it personally, and I have helped our church um, to see that I expect them to be involved in it if at all possible. Or even if they can't go, um, they can be a part of a team by donating for that team's part. And you, But, yes, that's it exactly. I think you've got to be more than just the guy who reads it in the bulletin. You know, you've got to be involved in it for your people to see that it's really important. Right. Okay. Moving from that, then, with your key involvement as a pastor, then who else really needs to be involved? Now, in the one case you mentioned, you had a couple of ladies really took hold of that uh, and took off with it. But uh, when you're looking at planning a day of service or something has surfaced, God's risen something up in the community in need, and you see that, hey, that's a need we need to respond to. Besides your leadership, because obviously you can't do everything, uh, who else do you have there that needs to be involved? What steps do you take to involve those leaders and other people in those days of service? Well, on the two big things that our church has done recently that I mentioned, one was that day of service last year where we adopted a neighborhood, and I had some very key leadership in that myself um, in being challenged from our state convention and our associational leadership to be a church that does something like that. And so, um, But I looked around our church and said, who has a heart for missions? Who, who do I know? And I put together a team of, of six people that I personally just asked, will you help lead out in this? And, um, and we gave each of them a role in that. And one of them kind of took the key role in, in being the contact person for that neighborhood. And, and others did other things like snacks and, and, and drinks because it was in the summer and it was really, really hot. And so we had someone to make sure every team kept hydrated and all those things. And so we put together a team of people. And I was looking for people who were passionate um, about it. I wasn't looking for people who were necessarily leaders in our church, but people who were passionate about mission work and loving on people with the gospel of Christ. And, and they just kind of took over and ran with that. And, and once again, I was definitely very involved in it, but uh, without them it wouldn't have happened. It's just one person couldn't have planned that big of an event with so many places. I think we had about ten work sites that day that we were at in that neighborhood. Wow. That's a, a large group uh, and a large impact uh, that can have, be had in that community without any question by doing that. So in, involving the other people, did, did you rely on uh, a couple of key people helping to recruit the larger number of people? Or, or how, how did you, I guess I'm kind of asking, systemically what did you do, uh, what steps did you take to, to get that many people involved in something like that? 
we did. We did ask each of those people to be out recruiting, basically, um, more people to be involved. And we tried to make it very clear that we had something for everyone, even if you weren't able to stand all day and work. Or, what, you know, we had a different job. We needed people to drive around a, a water truck, <laughs> um, you know. And so we, we uh, each person kind of uh, had people that they targeted in the church um, to get them to sign up. We had a main sign-up sheet, but their job was to get people to come to the sign-up sheet. Um, and get involved and find some place. Uh, we promised everyone that we would use them and use their abilities. I mean, some of those people were at the school yard there who were just cha- challenged that day to hang out with the children who were playing there and love on them and uh, play games with them. And, and so we had something for everyone. But, yes, each person on my team was challenged to go out and get more people. Uh, you know, Pastor Ed, one of the things that uh, I've said many times over the years is, that uh, you know, there are a lot of things that churches do and can do that basically a lot of other people do and can do, other organizations and groups. And the reality is uh, many of the things we're talking about today are, are things that uh, uh, any kind of a sorority or fraternity from a college, a university, or a, uh, uh, some kind of a group in the community could go and help pick up a neighborhood, help clean up a yard, help paint a, a schoolhouse, could help. Uh, and it, I mean, there's just lots of things can be done. Uh, the, the one key piece, though, is we do it uh, to show the love of Christ in a practical way, uh, and we want to do that with no strings attached, you know, usually when we go and serve. Uh, but we have the message of Jesus Christ to be able to share because of the love that we share in trying to help people through community service. And that's kind of what the days of service and seasons of service uh, are really kind of about, you know, within a local church. How have you seen uh, the impact of some of these days of service, seasons of service, transform lives? I mean, uh, have you seen some individuals that have come to know Christ, uh, some that have uh, connected with the church or relationships with church families where you see them on that journey? Uh, uh, Give us a little bit of a a taste of what's happened. Uh, I know community ministry is a high-touch type of an impact where there's a lot of touch and not as much response uh, initially, sometimes it takes a long time. But share with us a little bit about what, what's happened there at Westside with that. All right. Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think that, that we do have the gospel of Christ that we take. And I think there are lots of organizations coming in and making um, a difference by cleaning up and those sort of things. I think, first and foremost, you have to be willing to give um, and prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you, the Bible says. And when people, that day that we were in that neighborhood um, coming up and saying, people were just coming up and point blank asking us, what are you, what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? Um, you know, I remember I was at the park, and right across the street from the park was a known drug house um, that was very busy when we first got there. But the more people we put in the park, the less busy that guy. And some of the neighbors came over and said, man, why are you here? Don't you realize you could get shot here? This is a dangerous place for you to be. You're cutting down on their traffic. Why are you here? And uh, one of our ladies said, listen, we're here because we are challenged by Jesus to love our neighbors and we want to love on you guys, and we care about you. And so there, those were there, those opportunities to share the gospel just in a quick way um, right there that I think is powerful. Another way that we have seen um, this used to touch lives is by some of our people inviting their friends who may not even go to church 
um, to come and join them in serving in this way. This is something a lot of people are interested in, and therefore they get to see what it's about to be a part of the body of Christ. And we've actually had a couple people um, come to our church through first through being part of service events. Um, and so I think that's a great opportunity. And then, like I say, um, many times at the feeding that we do on a weekly basis, people ask why we're there. And we've had a chance to pray with people and share the gospel. And we've had a few people who have prayed um, there. Um, they're homeless, and there's not a great way to follow up and keep in touch with them. They're very hesitant to share their numbers with you <laughs> um, if they have a phone or something like that. But, uh, but it's a great opportunity um, to get to share with people. And, and so we're leaving some of those results up to God, but we have seen some results uh, from people there. It is much slower than other ways, but it is so rewarding when you get to see it happening. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I, I know when I was a pastor that uh, uh, we were involved in many of those same kind of things. And uh, since I have been out of the pastorate uh, uh, almost 13, a little over 13, almost 13 and a half years, I have heard stories of individuals who we repeatedly did things that they were involved in serving that are now active in that church, have made commitments and whatever in these 14 years uh, since I've been gone. But I have heard of that, and that, you know, but it took a long time. It took many years of continual contact and touching with them. Uh, two, two things I hear, Pastor Ed, uh, coming from you in response to that question. One, um, transformation has happened uh, in, well, maybe three things. Transformation has happened in your people in the sense that uh, they're engaged, engaging their friends, engaging relatives, others, to come and be a part of taking part in serving the community, uh, whether they're a part of your church or not, but uh, that, hey, this is something you can come do. And as a result of that, those individuals, number two, uh, have, many of them have been engaged, and some of them have actually followed through and connected with your congregation because they see that there's more there than maybe what they had perceived before. And then thirdly, the, the obviously the impact on those that you're trying to reach, uh, that some of those have been impacted as well, uh, especially, uh, you know, with the homeless and others, it's not uh, as easy to track and, uh, and keep up with, but there are those that have been, been touched and impacted Most at that point. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Uh, how do you see... The community ministry piece, uh, you know, these days of service, um, and, and again, out of a day of service is where oftentimes we find the need, we find a, a hurt, a pain, and that's what becomes that season of service. But out of these kinds of things, how does that fit into your overall evangelistic strategy as a pastor uh, and as a leader in that church? Well. I believe we're living in a day where we have got to earn the right to tell someone they're a sinner, I guess. I don't know how else to say that. Um, you've got to have some credibility um, in who you are as a church before someone's going to accept you standing before them saying you are a sinner. I realize that's the truth. That's the truth of God's word, and we are to proclaim it. But at the same time, we need credibility that we're not saying it out of judgment but we're saying it out of love and concern. And I think days of service and seasons of service, I think community service helps the church to have that credibility, the authenticity that is needed to say, you are a sinner and so are we. And we have a message of hope for sinners. 
and uh, and so I think that these days of service give us that opportunity and that credibility um, to be able to say it. And it may not even be to those exact same people, but it's someone who's hurt. I want our reputation at Westside to be a church that is helping hurting people, and and so that when people hear us speak. Um, I think that, that hopefully we will have some credibility that we are a caring and loving church. Now, I will say this. I don't think that community days of service and seasons of service are to replace um, other evangelism um, ministries. And I, and I do think sometimes today we're in the danger zone of doing that as a church because community outreach feels good, Brother Bobby. There's nothing that feels better than handing someone um, a plate of hot food when they're hungry except praying with someone who is no hope for eternity until they've accepted Jesus that is the only thing better than that and so I think we have to be careful to not let this substitute for other evangelism strategies for whether it be a block party whether it be a revival or, or, or something else I mean our church does some wild and crazy things um, for evangelism, we just had a Texas Hold'em tournament and a Euchre tournament a couple weeks ago where we had two people accept Christ at that. Now, there was no money exchanged hands. There was no real gambling there. It was all for prizes that our church furnished. But but I believe these community days of service and seasons of service give us some, some credibility to be able to invite people in for other things. And hopefully they'll know because of the way we live weekly and monthly as a church that we love them too. Well, what what I hear, and, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but I I think this is what I'm hearing, uh, and, and I have thought similar to the same. Sometimes community service uh, can serve as a salve that satisfies the guilt that sometimes we have at not doing more as Christians, as believers. It's something that is an action. It's something that is a service, and all of us can serve. Uh, but sometimes we allow that to satisfy uh, almost a, a, you know, a guilt that we have of not doing enough to reach out. Uh, and if I hear what you're saying is, is we don't want to stop with that. That's great, and we want to involve people, but that needs to be folded into the overall evangelistic strategy of the church, uh, which helps to connect people in other ways, other places, where they're hearing also, uh, the presentation of the gospel in, in a variety of ways. Now, am I am I repeating that back accurately for you? That is exactly right. It does need to be a part of our strategy, and that is that's my fear with it. Is that so many people it it satisfies their guilt? Exactly what you said of maybe not sharing the gospel regularly or faithfully, um, and they say, well, I've done it in this way. You know what is the famous quote? If you you need to share the gospel daily, use words if necessary. I have news for Christians. Words are necessary, Brother Bobby. They're necessary. Sure. We are to share the gospel in word and deed, but words are necessary. And so I do think that it has to be more than just community service. That's a great part of the evangelism strategy, but it has to be more than that. So uh, we need to wrap up, uh, but but let's, let's do this. Um, the days of service, seasons of service, you use and and capitalize on as a part of your overall evangelistic strategy. What, in closing, let, let's do a couple of things. G give us a highlight of just some of the things 
that evangelistically in a year you might do in addition to uh, or other than, I guess would be a better way of saying it, the the days of service, seasons of service. Uh, and then I, I want to wrap up by talking a little bit about uh, what other pastors can do to help start moving toward doing similar things as well. But give us an overview of kind of what, what you know, a, a, a year would look like to some extent with some of the kinds of things you've mentioned several, but unpack that a little bit for us. All right. Um, well, believe it or not, our church still believes that revival services work. Um, and we don't have them in a traditional sense, really, at our church, and some do, and I'm all for that, by the way, if that works for your church, a Sunday through Wednesday revival. Uh, we have found to have a more focused time, a shorter time span, maybe a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, or something where you can really ask people to focus in and invite their friends who don't go to church, who don't know Christ, and, and bring in um, an evangelist who, who really has a gift of drawing them that. Um, we do that once or twice a year, and, uh, and I, I believe that that is vitally important. I also think other um, outreaches in the community with, a, with the purpose of sharing the gospel, like a block party, um, something like that in a local park or even at your church, what, if it works for your particular location. Uh, my church, it doesn't work great to have it here in our parking lot just because of where we are, but we'll go to a local park and, and do a block party, but not just have a party, but also have a time where we um, draw people together and share the gospel. Once again, words are necessary. And uh, we try to be very careful not to do the bait and switch um, on people, and um, you know. But we also want to be very clear that we're here to share the love of Christ, and the true love of Christ is found in the gospel of Christ. And we want to share that with you for a moment. Um, and so, those are a couple of the things that we would do. Another thing that we've tried to do is to use promotions. Um, for, for evangelistic purposes, like to give away, um, not long ago we gave away a $500 um, Visa gift card that was donated by a member of our church, donated a $500 Visa gift card um, so that we could say, hey, this particular day we're giving this away. And I don't know, some people would say, well, that's just kind of, you know, you're using a trinket, you're using a trick. But, but if that gets my lost friends who've never heard the gospel, um, although I don't have too many who haven't heard the gospel because I try to share it with them, but I have a few still who I haven't got around to, to that yet or that point yet. And so if I can use that and if our people can use that as a hook to bring them to church and they get a chance to hear the gospel, it's worth the 500 bucks that day. Um, and so we try to even do things like that. Um, I, I, would, I would do a half-court basketball shot or anything for, for money, whatever it took, um, to bring people in to hear the gospel. Let's do this as we wrap up. Uh, if, if a church is not involved in doing community service and impacting their community through these days of service or seasons of service uh, as a part of their evangelistic strategy, uh, it sounds like you would, without question, encourage them to do so. So help us. Uh, what suggestions would you have for other pastors to help move their churches toward serving in their community? First and foremost, I would tell them to, to, and this sounds bad in a way, but don't start too big. Um, you don't have to start with something huge. Um, you do something that, that, that a few people from your church could do so that they can get excited about it and, and get the blessing from being involved in that and let it grow. Like I said, I'm continuing a legacy that was a couple decades deep for me. And so 
Um, for me to plan something where we took 100 people and adopted a whole neighborhood, that's great. But it's been a longstanding uh, tradition, I guess, in our church to do to be involved in these sort of things. And if their church isn't doing that at all, I would encourage them to start small. Maybe find a nursing home that you could go love on just one day. Go in and do some projects with some of the people there. Do something that um, with one of your schools or, I don't know, depending on your community, but, but don't try to pick something too huge. Um, like one of the things we did with the Baptist State people on your first week there was we, you know, we went to the food bank and just helped sort food. If you remember our first part of that day before the cookout, we were just sorting food, canned goods and, and frozen goods and putting them in different areas and stuff. And so um, start small and look for opportunities to grow that. That's excellent advice. I, I sure appreciate that, and I hope it will be helpful for our listeners of the audio conference for pastors. Pastor Ed, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I so appreciate your uh, time and your effort uh, with what you're doing there and the ministry that you have there, obviously, uh, at Westside Baptist, but how you uh, are sharing that with others uh, through our audio conference for pastors today. Uh, been a real encouragement. It's been great to have you with us. Well, it's been great to be with you. I hope it's helpful. I certainly don't have all the answers. Um, I'm, I'm just on this journey like everybody else, and, but I'm uh, honored to be involved. Well, we're glad to have you with us, and uh, we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, we hope you'll tune in for future uh, conferences that we'll have related to this subject and other subjects that hopefully will help develop leaders to their God-given capacity. For the Audio Conference for Pastors, I'm Bobby Gilstrap. We're glad to have you join us and hope you'll join us again next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Audio Conference for Pastors. Listen to future episodes by visiting audioconferenceforpastors.com or by subscribing on iTunes. An archive of past episodes is also available. Join us next time as we continue to develop leaders to their God-given capacity on the Audio Conference for Pastors.